everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. My name is Jeff. I am part of this show. This is episode 217, the other half of this show that has been here for 217 episodes, which is a lot, is my buddy, my co-host, Mark Alvin Johnson. Mark, how you doing? <laughs> Alvin. Alvin! <laughs> well, I thought, you know, Nolan Ryan, isn't he from Alvin, Texas? Alvin, Texas. Yeah, well, so. Yeah. Okay. And you say A all the time, so I just assumed that it was either athletics or Alvin. It's, this is going to blow you away, but it's neither. Oh. Yeah, yeah, so. Okay. Terrifying. I, I know I've just ruined your entire day, and there goes the show. Yeah, well, I'm going to edit that out, and we're going to pretend that your middle name is Alvin. So, uh, <laughs> all right, all right, sounds good. Welcome, everybody, to the show. We have got a lot to cover today. This is going to be a Tales from the Bullpen episode. We got a lot of things. Uh, we actually just picked up a story on the fly here as we were talking uh, before uh, we hit the big red button to record. And we've got a, a new story that we're going <laughs> to shoehorn in here to an already jam-packed episode. So uh, just get ready for that. And just a programming reminder that we will not be uh well no no new episode next week it's 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 time to reflect time for everybody to go back and and listen to a, a past favorite or a past new episode that you haven't heard before because i'm gonna take a little bit of time off so mark uh, what are you gonna do with your off days I'm, I'm probably going to study baseball history just because i really don't know what else to do now, see, some would say that you should have been doing that for the past 216 episodes. But you're just if you're choosing to do it now, I guess better late than never. I'm waiting for I was waiting for a day off. All right. Well, uh, what do you say we get into it here? Uh, we're not even this is a, a tale, so we don't even need to worry about stretching. But we're going to we're going to take some cuts anyway, just so that we're not. Not seeing pitches for the first time when we get into the box. So a couple of things here, Mark. First of all, I, I know you don't, I, I'm pretty sure you don't watch it, but I've made reference to it several times before that I am a big, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia fan. Yes. Yeah, so no, I'm familiar with the show and I've watched uh, a few dozen episodes. Yes. The new season started a couple of weeks ago and, you know, they've had a, a pretty good history of having baseball players and talking about baseball. In the past, they had uh, Wade Boggs, obviously, has been on it. We've talked about that many times. Ryan Howard has been on it. Chase Utley has been kind of a uh, an obsession for Mac on the show. And Chase Utley made another appearance on the episode last week, which I was not expecting. Chase Utley's hair is still... Wow, life goals, especially for somebody that doesn't have hair. Dude's killing it in retirement is all I got to say. We've talked about this before, and, you know, I'll say something like R.I.P. Wade Boggs, and that still elicits a response every time I say it, because somebody will know what I'm talking about and will say, I can assure you that Wade Boggs is still very much alive, or somebody will have no clue and say, when did Wade Dog?" When did Wade Boggs die? You don't know anything. Wade Boggs is still right. alive. All that. But uh, the fact that D at one point confuses Wade Boggs with Boss Hog in an episode is equally <laughs> as funny. I love that show. Some uh, some other things that went on in the past week. Father's Day was uh, last Sunday. Yes. Now, uh, you and I are, are dog fathers and cat fathers, right. but uh, not, not like Snoop Dogg dog father but just like we have actual dogs but uh in atlanta it got a little awkward so charlie culberson 
pitcher for the uh, pitcher for Atlanta. He uh, his dad was supposed to throw out the first pitch on Father's Day there at Truist Field. Only problem was that they uh, DFA'd Charlie right before the game. <laughs> wow, that's some timing right there. Yeah, so that's some awkward, an awkward conversation, not only with Charlie, but with his dad to say, hey, listen, uh, we just DFA'd your son, so uh, you're not going to be throwing out the first pitch today. <laughs> that's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, that's not cool. Uh, also, some uh, some news here. Kevin Costner divorced his wife recently, but she's not leaving the house. Now, why am I bringing this up on a baseball history podcast? Well, uh, I'm hoping that maybe she can finally shed some light on Cal Ripken and his streak and this this rumor that Kevin Costner had something to do with uh, with this streak being kept alive. But this is an urban myth. It's been debunked many times. We haven't covered on the show because it's kind of illicit. But there are some who think Cal Ripken's streak was going to be. Uh, broken and before he reached uh, the you know Lou Gehrig's mark because he supposedly hurt his hand punching Kevin Costner. Costner was a, a friend of of Cal and his wife, and Cal supposedly caught Kevin Costner with his wife at one point. Now this never happened. The game that night was postponed because there were some lights that weren't working at Camden Yards. The Mariners happened to be in town, and Randy Johnson was on the mound. Nobody wanted to step into the box against Randy Johnson in the first place, let alone with bad lighting. The game got 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 canceled. Lou Pinella, though, was campaigning. He thought it was playable. <laughs> so I'm sure I'm sure he was rooting for it. But there are actual pictures of Cal on the field warming up and talking to the umpires. And uh, both both of these guys have debunked this. But who knows? Maybe Kevin Costner's wife has some insight. and We'll get some more information on this. I don't know. We'll, if we'll fists see. flew, if, if there were fisticuffs, she would know. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that she would have been uh, been made aware of this at some point. But, uh, yes. yeah, well, I'm not going to hold my breath because, again, that's mm. just an urban myth. And right. Some other things, some trade news, some trade news specifically from 1957. Oh, good. <laughs> As to breaking news, breaking news. Uh, no, 1957, that was the year that the Yankees traded Billy Martin to Philadelphia, to the Athletics. Uh, they felt he was a bad influence on uh, on his two best buddies, Mickey Mantle and Whitey Ford, so they traded him to Philadelphia. Billy, Whitey, and Mickey were absolutely inseparable. They were, they were just so close. They were literally like brothers. Uh, in fact... Uh, Mickey, in this interview that I found, actually said that he feels like he might even be closer to Billy and Whitey than he is to his actual brothers. So this trade was very hard on them. Uh, I found this story, though, told by Mickey himself about the first time they played Billy Martin in a uniform that did not have pinstripes on it. So here is uh, here's Mickey Mantle. And I remember that Whitey was pitching the next day. And uh, he he was staying right there with it. He stood with me and Billy for a long time. Finally, he said, i got to go to bed. i got to pitch, you know. But he said, I'll tell you what. He said, if I stand straight up tomorrow, it's a fastball. And if I bend over, it's a curve. He told Billy, you know. And he, but he said, don't hit a home run off of me, you know. Billy said, oh, don't worry, don't worry, you know. Sure enough, uh, Whitey threw him. I don't know uh, if it was a fastball or a slow curve or what it was. But Billy knew what was coming. And I'll be darned if he, Billy don't hit a home run, you know. And all the way around the bases, he's laughing like hell, you know. The next time up, Whitey knocked him down. 
(laughs) (laughs) That's just good baseball. Good baseball stories right there. (laughs) Uh, Let's see, Mark, did you see this? David Freeze, former Cardinal. Did you see what's going on with him? Yeah, I saw that. I thought that was kind of odd. Yeah, I thought it was odd. I thought it was kind of cool. He actually was voted into the Cardinals Hall of Fame, but has declined the uh, the invitation. Yes. So I saw, I, I'd seen the story yesterday or the day before, but I saw an updated story where it had some quotes from Freeze, and I guess he's been hearing it from Cardinal fans online. But he says he knows the value of a red coat, which is what they give you when you go into the Cardinals Hall of Fame, and he wants to respect others who have had that honor. So Freeze played with the Cardinals from 2009 to 2013. He came up with them. In those five years as a Cardinal, he hit 286, a 356 on base, 44 home runs, 237 RBI. He played three years uh, then for the Bucks and had pretty similar numbers as well as some other teams. Of course, though, in 2011, uh, it was a magical year for the Cardinals, and Freeze had a great World Series. <laughs> has tied it 7-7 unbelievable Breeze hits it in the air to center we will see you tomorrow night Freeze was uh, not only the NLCS MVP but also the World Series MVP for that year. But I respect this move. They're essentially putting him in the Cardinals Hall of Fame for his postseason in that one year. He had a good NLDS the next year against the Nats. But uh, in terms of postseason excellence, it, it was it was really that one year. And I like this because he's, he's essentially saying, frankly, I'm not that good enough to be in there. I had a right. I happen to have a good postseason. It's kind of like Dallas Braden. Uh, He says a lot of times, he says, listen, I wasn't the greatest pitcher. I just happened to have one very, very good day. And that, of course, is when he threw the the perfect game. And look at him now. He's he's still in baseball. So good for you, David Freeze. I'm I'm on your side here. Mark, today is uh, the show is debuting on June 21st. Now, normally we do debuts, right? Yes. Who debuted on the day that this show is debuting? There's a little synergy there. Uh, there were a lot of people that debuted today, but nobody that was that exciting to talk about. No Hall of Famers, no big names that, that we talk about a lot on this show. So what I wanted to do is I uh, there were some more interesting names on the list next to it that shows the guys that played their final game in their major league career today on June 21st. So we're, we're going to do that instead. We're going we're gonna to look at some guys that played, put on the uniform for the final time today, June 21st, starting out in 1964. Wait, here's, a, here's a name you'll recognize, Mark. Tom Sturdivant played his final <laughs> game. Sure, Tom Sturdivant. Yeah, so we had Tom Sturdivant's uh, grandson on way back in episode 71. He was very close with his, uh, with his grandfather. We got some good stories about Mickey Mantle, too, because Tom Sturdivant was a, a longtime golfing buddy of Mickey Mantle. The two-time World Series winner with the Yankees, Sturdivant, 
nicknamed Snake because of the movement of his curveball and his son. Now, this we didn't we've never talked about, Mark. One of yeah. his sons, Tom Sturdivant the third, was uh, an actor in the I don't remember if it was a movie or a series called The Young Riders. It was a western. Hmm. So he played his last game in 1964 today. Also playing his last game today, June 21st in 1969, was Johnny Padres. Ah. So Padres started and threw two complete game victories in the 1955 World Series for the Dodgers and won the first ever World Series MVP award. Overall, a four-time All-Star and a four-time World Series champ, Padres went on to be a pitching coach for 23 seasons between 1973 and 1996. He was the coach for the Padres, the Red Sox, the Twins, and the Phillies. Among the pitchers he worked with when they were coming up are some names like Frank Viola and Kurt Schilling. Padres' wife was a skater of note in the Ice Follies, which was a big deal Way back in the day, that was kind of like the ice capades, but you know, before TV and the internet, that was a that was a big thing, and she was a, a very well known skater uh, in in that. That that was interesting. Also, making his final appearance in the big leagues on June twenty first in nineteen ninety six, Steve Howe. How is Steve Howe still playing in nineteen ninety six? Oh, you know, it's one of those. Cats that have nine lives kind of things. Yeah. Now, this is not Steve Howe, the guitarist for the 80s band. Yes. And and later, no. Anderson, Buford, Wakeman, and Howe. Not that one. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, we're talking about the Rookie of the Year from 1980. He saved the World Series winning game in 1981 for the Dodgers against the Yankees. In 1982, he was selected to attend the All-Star game as a player, I assume, not you know, just take hey, you're welcome to come. He had not given up an earned run the entire first half of the season. That's how you get invited to attend the All-Star game right there as a reliever. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's very good. But two days before the All-Star break, Howe checked himself into a rehab program for cocaine addiction. If you know anything about Steve Howe, this was a reoccurring uh, battle that he waged throughout his life. He was suspended seven times by Major League Baseball for drug policy violations. And in 1992, he received a lifetime ban from baseball. But since obviously he played his last game in 96, that was overturned uh, on appeal. And then in 2006, Howe tragically died in a car crash. Toxicology reports indicated that he had uh, methamphetamine in his system. So RIP to Steve Howe also played his final game today. How about this one, Mark? This I found a surprisingly uh, large amount of information about somebody that you and I both uh, are familiar with in 2001 playing his final game, Joe Sluzarski. <laughs> Slu. Slu. Oh, wow. There you go. I mean, first of all, I just wanted to talk about Joe Sluzarski. Uh, seven years in the big leagues, 173 strikeouts. He played for Oakland, Houston, Atlanta, and Milwaukee. Slu, for some reason, has an incredibly long saber bio by Rory Castillo. I now know a lot, and I mean a lot, about Joe Suzarski that I did not know before. How about this? In 1987, he was on Team USA, and he was tied with one of the Chris Carpenters for second in team wins behind Jim Abbott. Ooh. Yeah, and who knows which Chris Carpenter it is. That Actually, I do know. It's the C-R-I-S, Chris. The weird spelling. In yes. college, 
Did you know this? He had a pet alligator named Volkov, which was named after uh, WWF at that time, heel Nikolai Volkov. I was not aware of that either. Yeah. Uh, Sluzarski, Gene Nelson, and Rick Honeycutt, they like to play golf together during spring training one year. They uh, went out for a round after uh, after a game, and Slu bumped into a cactus that he thought was a bush. The spine stuck in his left bicep, and it actually knocked him over when he, when he ran into this, and he put his hand out to stop his fall. Unfortunately, uh, right where he put his hand was another cactus. So he damaged tendons in his middle finger and had sausage fingers for quite a while after that. After healing, though, it affected his grip. He couldn't throw his sliders, uh, and uh, he couldn't get his fingers around the uh, baseball to throw a splitter anymore. So that really affected uh, his career. He was the only pitcher not named Rick Reed to cross the picket lines during the 1995 strike as well. So you're telling me that like all this uh, Looney Tunes uh, cartoon stuff happened, he ran into a cactus, fell onto another cactus, his hands swelled up. Yep. Craziness. Yep. Wow. Listen, I love Joe Slizarski, but how does he have a Sabre bio that's like 30,000 words? I, I when I'll know. go to do somebody that's in the Hall of Fame or something, and there's no saber bio. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, let's see, I got one more guy that played his final game today. In 2014, Raphael Furcal, one of my favorites, when I was, especially when I was working in Atlanta. Rookie of the year in 2000. He stole 40 bases in his rookie year. I'm bad. August 10th, 2003, Furkey turned an unassisted triple play. I remember I was watching that. I think it was Sunday night baseball. They were in St. Louis. Furcall was the first player in Dodgers history to string together three consecutive four-hit games. Wow. That's that's 12 hits in three that's games. Impressive. That's like a half a month for, for some good hitters. Yeah, really? Yeah. So uh, how about this? In the fifth inning of game five of the 2008 National League Championship Series against the Phillies, Furcall made three errors in that one inning to set records for most errors in one NLCS inning and game three. That's rough. That's a tough day at the office. Yeah. I mean, two of them were on one play and then he made another on another. But still, that's that's pretty rough. Uh, he also remembered the 2011 Cardinals when they won the World Series, so he does have a ring. This is not a debut or a final game, but I did want to mention this because on this day in 1964, it just happened to be Father's Day at Shea Stadium, Jim Bunning pitched a perfect game. Bunning's in the Hall of Fame, obviously, well, not obviously, but I mean, he went on to become a uh, a politician, a former, uh, he was a senator for the state of Kentucky. Had some winners from that state, but I'm going to say Jim did a better job. Uh, overall, 17 years in the big leagues, 224 wins, a 3.27 ERA. Uh, he was a nine-time all-star as well. He's a very interesting character. So we have now, I figured this out, we had a perfect game thrown on Father's Day and Mother's Day, who, of course, the aforementioned Dallas Braden had his one really good day at work on Mother's Day. So. Yes. What about Arbor Day? It seems like the the next logical step that there will be a perfect game thrown on Arbor Day. Arbor Day gets left out, man, and it's not fair. Yeah, I know. That's what we're trying. I'm trying to. 
Yeah, I, uh, frankly, cool. I don't. Arbor Day, man. Frankly, I don't know when Arbor Day is, so it could be during the off season. I don't know, but I'm just <laughs> throwing it out there. Uh, and then one final note, because I'm not going to let this go by. Today, in 1989, the Yankees traded outfielder Ricky Henderson to the Oakland Athletics for journeyman pitcher Eric Plunk, Greg Catteray, and sex offender Luis Polonia. <laughs> so, big day. Around. Good deal for the A's. Big day around this household. <laughs> Not the Luis Polonia part, but the, the rest of it. All right. So that's going to do it for our uh, kind of elongated BP segment. We, you know, when we, when we do these tales shows, we kind of fly, you know, it's kind of, kind of loose. There's not as much structure. We kind of fly by the seat of our pants. So had a little bit more there for BP, but now let's head into the main segment. This is when it's a free for all, Mark. We've just got some shorter stories that don't, you know, might not be able to fill out a whole segment. So we're just going to throw them all together in one. And I'm going to have uh, you go first. Oh, hey, thanks, man. I, I uh, was speaking with one of our listeners on, uh, we were talking on email, and he pointed out this pretty interesting uh, uh, game that happened on um, June 17th, 1915. It was the Brooklyn Robins and the Chicago Cubs. Bert Humphreys was on the mound for the Cubs up against Jeff Pfeiffer for the Brooklyn Robins. Is that a PH Pfeiffer? It's a Pfeiffer. Yep. PF. Yep. Yes. Pfeiffer had a good game. Humphreys, on the other hand, pitching for the Cubs, got injured, uh, giving up a run and three hits after two thirds of an inning. So they brought in a guy who needs to be mentioned just because of his name, Zip Zabel. They brought in Zip. (laughs) And uh, the game ended up going 19 innings. Zip throwing 18 and one-third innings of fantastic relief pitching. Wow. (laughs) Yes. 78 batters faced. The the opposing pitcher, Jeff Pfeiffer, he did 18 and two-thirds innings himself, losing with two outs in the bottom of the last inning to a run scored by the Cubs, giving... Zip Zable, the 18 and a third inning win after a long, long day. Now, would it would it shock you if I told you that uh, Zip Zable does, in fact, have a saver bio? <laughs> does he really? <laughs> he sure does. So there's well, some future content man. right there. Here's something that will blow you away. They must have been using the modern rules because that game went three hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> or they had a train to catch. <laughs> something, something. But I, had, I was so impressed by Zip Zable. Uh, wish I had a name, Zip Zable, uh, and I wish I could throw uh, eighteen and a third innings of relief pitching in, in, in the quality manner that he did. Well, I mean, his his full name. I mean, Zip is a is an awesome. I've got to assume he probably threw hard for the day. He zipped it in there. But his full name yeah. is George Washington Zable. Yes. So, I mean, that's and, not a bad Which is name. odd. Not a lot of people know George Washington, the father of our country. His name, they called him Zip. So it was. Uh, oh, well, that's probably where they got it from. Yeah. Yeah. Must be. I made that up. As far as I know, though, I think uh, Abraham Lincoln. Well, no, I guess George uh, George uh, W. Bush played baseball for, for Yale. Uh, I know we've done a story on this podcast before about. Uh, Abraham Lincoln wanting to get through, uh, there was some, you know, political meeting he had to be at and he wanted to hurry up because he had a baseball game he wanted to go play in. That's right. I would assume that there are some other 
presidents that have played baseball, maybe not to the level of, of Bush and, and well, Lincoln didn't really, he was kind of a town ball kind of guy, but, and, and you know, Nixon was a huge baseball fan. I think Reagan, Ronald Reagan was a big baseball fan. Obviously, he did some sports casting as well. So uh, he knew quite a bit about baseball as well. I don't I don't know who else, but this is true. It's uh, hey, one little thing I just noticed here in this box score from this game. Um, The Robins had 12 hits and five errors. The Cubs had 13 hits and three errors. And like I said, it went 19 innings and three hours wow. and 15 minutes. That's a lot of, a lot of I don't know what they were traffic doing. on the base pass for a three hour, <laughs> 19 inning game. Yes. Wow. I would have enjoyed watching this game. Uh, probably not working. It, well, let's though. see. I think it's on YouTube. I think we can, I think we can. Yeah, we'll dig it up. <laughs> we'll dig it up. June 17th, 1915. All right, Mark. So, um, chat GPT, Everybody, everybody's talking about this, uh, this AI in the last year or so. Seen a lot of people doing, you know, creating content, making it create content for you. And uh, I thought, you know what? I'm an old school guy. I'm going to create my own content, but I am going to have some fun with this. So I decided to ask ChatGPT some baseball questions. And uh, it was definitely a mixed bag of results. So uh, obviously, I mean, the first question I'm going to ask, I'm just imagining all our listeners are, are thinking to themselves right now, I bet he asked X, Y, Z. Everybody's got their own thing. But uh, I asked it about Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Major League Baseball, which I'm guessing <laughs> most people thought that's what I was going to do. Uh, I wanted to set a benchmark with something that I knew the answer to that was not common knowledge unless you're a Sabrina super fan or you've listened to literally any other episode of this podcast. So I asked it, I said, hey, who are Major League Baseball players who have appeared on the TV show Sabrina the Teenage Witch? It returned four names of which I know that there are only three so I knew something was up already but these these are the four names that uh, that it returned Reggie Jackson Steve Garvey Joe Necro and Andrew Jones okay. so one this is spanning a good deal of uh, baseball history of which the only one that was still active when Sabrina the Teenage which was actually airing was Andrew Jones so uh, I was a little, uh, <laughs> a little confused because these are unequivocally not correct. Uh, right. This did lead me down a rabbit hole, though, where I found a very scientific survey that listed the aforementioned Andrew Jones as the 24,595th most attractive bald man. <laughs> now, wow. I was only 17,493 away from him on that list. Not bad. Yeah, I know. I was I was the last one. I added myself. Uh, let's see. Uh, Joe Negro, though, like Andrew, did not actually appear on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but his brother Phil apparently interned at TBS in the offseason during 1986 and uh, the 1987 offseason, where he worked <laughs> under the name Philip Negro and has 14 World Championship Wrestling episodes to his credit. Oh, my gosh. Now, am I convinced this is actually Nuxie? No. 
No. <laughs> I am just pulling this from IMDb, but his other credits are all baseball related, leading it some credence that this might actually have been him. This kind of tracks, though, because you know how wrestlers used to hide things like razor blades or blood pills in their sweatbands or tape or boots, you know, all sure. that kind of stuff. I'm thinking maybe he learned how to hide things from the wrestlers, which he then tried to employ the very next season when he was confronted by umpires and tried to dispose of an emery board that he had in his back pocket by using the old misdirection. But uh, without Bobby the Brain Heenan there to distract the umpires, they of course saw it. Very famous incident. Uh, Reggie Jackson, likewise, never appeared on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but his acting credits, this is pretty impressive. The Love Boat, Different Strokes, The Jeffersons, Archie Bunker's Place, Mr. Belvedere, MacGyver, Blossom, Suddenly Susan, and Malcolm in the Middle. That is just TV. Wow. Because, uh, I mean, of course, you've got Naked Gun is probably the, the biggest one. But those are that's like a 1980s all-star prime time lineup, except for Suddenly Susan and Malcolm in the Middle. The rest of that was, I guess some of it was 70s. But, I mean, that those are some solid shows. And, of course, Steve Garvey, we've chronicled some of his uh, acting exploits before, so I won't go over them. But needless to say, not a not a good start for chat GPT uh, concerning baseball. <laughs> so I have been reading about high run innings and the largest number of runs scored by a single team in extra innings is 12. So I asked GPT. That's what I call it because we're close now. The last time a a Major League Baseball team scored 12 runs in extra innings, and it told me that it was uh, July 9th, 1989. In that game, the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Chicago Cubs faced off at Wrigley Field. The Pirates scored 12 runs in the top of the 10th inning, resulting in a final score of 22-7 to in favor of the Bucks. Now, similar to the famous Seinfeld episode, The Boyfriend, which includes the second spitter. That Cubs-Pirates game on July 9th, 1989, never happened. Never played (laughs) on that day. Okay. Yeah. So the Pirates did score 22 against the Cubs, but that was in 1975, and the final score in nine innings was 22 to nothing in one of the largest ever shutout wins in Major League Baseball history. Now, I get it, GPT. The the Cubs also lost an extra inning game to the Phils in 1979, 23-22. But from what I can tell, the Pirates did not actually score 12 runs in extra innings in any game in their franchise history. (laughs) Uh, The Rangers, however, have. They did it against the A's in 1983. You know, kids are using this Chad GPT to write reports for them. Yeah, that's a little concerning. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I guess it should be pretty easy to determine whether or not they used it or not, because nothing's correct. Uh, so I, I, I said, OK, I got I to gotta find something here. So I asked it, who had the most World Series MVPs? Its response, oh, that's Yogi Berra. Three times, 1951, 1954, 1956. Well, the good news is Yankees won those World Series, so. Or at least they were in the World Series. You don't have to be on the winning team to be the MVP. We've seen that happen before. But uh, actually, Don Larson was the World Series MVP in 1956, not Yogi Berra. 
they didn't name World Series MVPs in the others because 1955 was the first time they gave out this an award. And because we are professional podcasters, I told you this earlier in this podcast, the very first World Series MVP was in 1955 and was none other than Johnny Padres, right? Right. Yes. Professional podcasters. Sandy Koufax, Bob Gibson, and Reggie Jackson are the only players to have ever won more than one, and they have only won it twice. Only. They've only been the World Series MVP two times. Like, huh. uh, Yogi was named the American League MVP in 1951, 1954, and 1955. So, again, just absolutely not a single thing was correct in GPT's response. Man, you know what? Uh, I'm I'm not as worried about it taking over the world now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I give it one more chance, Mark. Who is the Man of Steel? And I spelled it S T E A L, right? Steel, stealing bases. It was somewhat correct. It did tell me that it was Ricky Henderson, but uh, it claims that Ricky Henderson is known as the Man of Steel, S T E E L. <laughs> So somewhere, oh. DC fans are absolutely losing their minds right now. Mm. Now, to its credit, when it said that, I said, uh, isn't the Man of Steel Superman? And it said, <laughs> GPT said, you're right. Superman is the Man of Steel. Ricky Henderson is the Man of Steel, S-T-E-A-L. So it corrected itself, but oh. only after I prompted it. So overall, uh, Chat GPT is batting like 200 at this point. You know, the Bob Euchre line. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not worried about AI taking over this world anymore. Yeah, well, it, it's going to have a hard time screwing baseball up if, if it can't even get that stuff Well, right. I mean, we got Rob Manfred. He's more than capable of doing that on his own. So, uh, all right, Mark, uh, we got time for another quickie. Do you have a, you have a short one? Yes, I, I wanted to, to point out back in uh, 2009, there was a film called The Other Guys starring Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell. Yes, I love that movie. Yes. Yes. Then there was a deleted scene that had my all-time favorite player, Derek Jeter. Yep. And he even had a line yep. and everything. Now, what upsets me here, the reason I bring this up is not to be, you know, hey, how about that Jeter? He's a heck of an actor. Maybe he is. But Jeter ends up getting shot and ends up being like a transient in, later on in the in the uh, in the movie. Well, why does he have to come after my roles, Jeff? I have played a homeless guy in no less than 11 movies. He is your arch enemy. He's trying to take my spots now. Now, I'm the, I'm the guy that, look, I don't go out there and try and play shortstop for the, the Yankees for various reasons. One, uh, they won't I, allow you. No one would give me a chance. And two, I'm horrible. So those two together. But still, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do that to Derek Jeter. But he has to go and play a homeless guy in a movie. And you know what? You. I'm glad it got cut. I'm just glad. That's all I can say about that. <laughs> well, Mark, I think you're you're overlooking the fact that uh, Derek Jeter is a biracial angel. You know, people love him. Normal I, people. I'm I'm sure I have nothing against him personally. Oh yeah, you do a little bit. He just doesn't need to be stealing my roles. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, if he shows up as a pirate anywhere. Yeah, uh, then I we know that he's actively trying. Contracts. He's actively trying to sabotage your uh, yeah. <laughs> your way of life. No pirates, Jeter. Please, just you look. You won, okay? Well, what if he sells? Is oh, I, or did he sell the the Marlins? I don't remember if he 
what he's doing with the Marlins. But what if he were to buy the Pittsburgh Pirates? Something to think about. All right. Yeah. That's going to that's going to wrap up this uh, version of Tales from the Dugout. Uh, let's see. We've got a lot of these. We 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 collect a lot of tales, uh, but we try not to <laughs> try not to do them too often. But uh, there you have it. A couple of just quick ones that uh, did not uh, warrant an entire segment. But uh, that's tales from the dugout. And Mark, that is going to segue just beautifully into the final segment of the show. Uh, it is the segment that uh, we have called since the beginning of time when we paid a healthy amount of money for somebody to remake a classic foreigner song that I really tend to, uh, tend to enjoy. And we have uh, twisted the words to uh, meet our needs. So it is time for Wax Back Hero. That's right. Wax Back Hero! Gotta pull the Wax Back Hero! All right, so uh, if you are new here, let's go over what Wax Packs heroes are. We've got a couple of packs of baseball cards here. Today, not actually Wax Packs. We're opening some score, so they're the uh, they're, they're the non-wax, but uh, they're still baseball cards. That's all we really care about. Uh, what we're going to do, we're going to open these up, and uh, we're going to take the Baseball Reference War from the year of the cards, which in this case happens to be 1991. Good year for baseball cards and uh we're gonna add those up but we got a couple of other things that can either add or subtract to that total first of all anything on their face that means glasses sunglasses mustaches eye black uh brady anderson quality sideburns you get a a extra tenth of a point if it's a tom Selleck mustache if it's one that you can't ignore we'll give you an extra tenth of a point for that as well if they are wearing real stirrups where we can see the sanitary socks that is an extra tenth of a point two and ones though uh, that's lazy. That's a minus a tenth of a point. If they won any awards that year, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, if they were an all-star or won a gold glove, that is an extra half a point each. If there's a Hall of Famer on the card, whether they are the focus or not, that's a whole point because you're in the Hall of Fame. If either of us pull a Ricky Henderson or a Nolan Ryan, I automatically get five points regardless of who pulls the Ricky Henderson. Mark gets the same uh, for Nolan Ryan. If uh, the player appeared in the Mitchell Report or was suspended for PEDs or drugs at any point during their career, that is a minus a half a point. And Mark, we're each going to pick a team. And just like Nolan Ryan and Ricky Henderson, my team comes up, I get a half a point. Your team comes up, you get a half a point. Who are you going to go with this week? Um, I think I'm going to go with the Dodgers. I'm assuming you're you're going to go with the Brooklyn Dodgers if uh, since you use right. that accent, right? Otherwise, yeah, yeah. it would be like totally the Dodgers, right? Right, like totally. <laughs> and and you know, so if the L.A. Dodgers come up, I don't get points for that. No, right? okay, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. I think I'm. If you're going to go with the Dodgers, I'm going to go with the Mets. See what I did there? Nice. Take their place. That's right. Them and the uh, those uh, darn Giants. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's open up this first. Oh, first of all, uh, Mark, which would you like? Would you like I got a pack in my left hand or a pack in my right hand? And, Can I go right? Can I go right? All right. So let's uh, see what we got here. All right, Mark. So let's see here. You are going to start off with uh, with the Dodger. Nice. <laughs> oh, but he's a Los Angeles Dodger. Um, here we go. Guy that hit on my mom once, told her she had nice legs at a party. It is Mike Morgan. Let's see, uh, overall 22 years in baseball. That's a lot. 
uh, boy, he played for, it's one of those where you'd name a team and it's more likely he played for them than he didn't. I think he played for almost half the teams in baseball. Uh, let's see, though. In 1991, good news for you. He had one all-star year in his 22 years in the league. That was 1991. <laughs> so good for you. Uh, with the Dodgers, he went 14-10, and 10, a 2.78 ERA. That's pretty impressive. 236 innings pitched, 197 hits given up, 140 strikeouts, a 129 ERA+. Plus. And that is going to equal a 5.1. He was an all-star, so that will be a 5.6. He's on the Dodgers, so that'll be a 6.1. Okay, I was not expecting that out of Mike Morgan. Yeah. Oh, he does have uh, two and ones on, so. Oh, bummer. Yeah, so that'll only be be a six right out of the gate. I know he played for the Mariners, but it wasn't later in his career, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's not a rule this year, but uh, he did spend a short amount of time with the Mariners. Won a World Series in 2001 with the Diamondbacks when they defeated the New York Yankees and that biracial angel. Uh, Overall first round draft pick by the Oakland A's in 1974. He was uh, the fourth round or the fourth pick overall and was then traded by the Yankees with Fred McGriff to the Blue Jays for Dale Murphy. Or Dale Murray, excuse me. Oh, well, he was drafted by the Mariners in a Rule 5 draft from the Blue Jays. So that's how he got to Seattle. Nicknamed the Nomad. That's because he played on so many many teams. Yeah. That's right. All right. uh, Let's see. Your second card is, oh, uh, this has got a a good good nickname. It's Kevin Alka-Seitzer. Kevin Seitzer, good right-handed hitter, a little bit of pop, hit for some average. I believe he went on. He's been a batting coach, I believe, for a couple of teams. Kevin Seitzer, 12 years in the big league, six with the Royals, five with the Brewers, two with Cleveland, and one with Oakland. I remember that. 1991 with the Royals, his final year with Kansas City. Only appeared in 85 games, 265 average, 350 on base, one home run, 25 RBI, 95 OPS+. plus. And that is good for a .9 war. Uh, now, he does have real stirrups, and he does have eye black. So that'll be a 1.1 for you. That works. Let's see. Currently, he is listed as the hitting coach for Atlanta. Also, he's coached for the Royals, D-backs, and Blue Jays. He was replaced as the hitting coach uh, with the Diamondbacks by one of my favorites, Rick Shue. Oh, at one point, he owned a baseball and softball training facility with uh, former teammate Mike McFarlane. It was called Mackensites Baseball. <laughs> Still think that Alka Seitzer would have been better. All right, uh, you're at 7.1. Next, you've got a guy who likes to pull his pants down on uh, first base. It's Steve Lyons, psycho. I, I think he's uh, he might be teetering on the do not talk about list. I think... Uh, I think he was fired from Fox for, for something. Uh, but overall, nine years in the big leagues, five with the White Sox. Uh, now, he was traded, obviously, in the midseason a couple of times, but it says nine years, five with the White Sox, five with Boston, which, again, I went to Washington State, but I believe that's 10 years. And then it also lists Montreal and Atlanta for one. But obviously, he was traded during the season a couple of times. In 1991, he did spend the entire year with Boston, hit 241, 277 on base. Four home runs, 17 RBI, a 70 OPS plus, and still good for a .9 war. I think that versatility is coming into play. 
he does have eye black on here as well. So that will be a positive one. Well, a positive. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know this. First round draft pick by the Red Sox, 19th overall. And then was traded by the Red Sox to Chicago for Tom Seaver. I mean, that's 1986 Tom Seaver, so it's not right. the, uh, the the in his prime Tom Seaver, but still. See, so like to play tic-tac-toe and hangman in the uh, in the dirt around the infield dirt with the opposition. Of course, we've uh, talked about him pulling his pants down. Ryan's was born in Tacoma, Washington, you know. Oh, there you go. Uh, let's see. Also, uh, he did uh, he did voices for MLB The Show for a couple of years. I remember that. And uh, let's see, he published a book called Psychoanalysis with the foreword by Stephen King. I don't know. I'm not sure that that uh, is a pop culture enough reference for us, but doesn't seem to be. To be perfectly honest. Okay. Yeah. All right, uh, you're at 8.1. Your next card, oh, you'll like this. It's Steve Finley. Hey, that's my guy there. Let's see. Overall, 19 years in the big leagues, six for Arizona, four for San Diego, four for Houston, and then a bunch of other teams. In uh, 1991, with Houston, 159 games. He appeared in 285 average, 331 on base, eight home runs, 54 RBI, 34 stolen bags, a 114 OPS+. Plus. And that is good for a 5.2 war. Yeah, I'll take that in a heartbeat. Uh, let's see. So here he is. He's in a Baltimore Orioles uniform because that's where he spent the first two seasons. But 1991 was his first in Houston. Uh, he does have real stirrups on here. So that will be a 5.3 for you. And this is a really good pack for you thus far. <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, he pitched in 2001 as well. So not only did he win a World Series in 2001, but he pitched in a game. Let's see, one inning, one walk, one hit batter, zero runs. So zero ERA, nice for him. Paducah, Kentucky. That's a fun name to say, Paducah. So uh, another card for you there. Uh, You got a couple left here. Here with Cleveland, it is Dion James. Oh, this is good that in this card, he has got his, uh, he's got his hat on underneath his batting helmet. Oh, nice. That's always a good look. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, let's see. Overall, 11 years in the big leagues, four with the Yankees, three with Atlanta, three with Milwaukee, two with Cleveland. Uh, bad news for you, though. In 1991, he was not in the big leagues. Mm. Uh, let's see here. In 1991, it looks like he missed the whole year. He must have been injured. Because he was nowhere. Interesting, though, in 94, though, he left the Yankees and went to play in Japan for the Chunichi Dragons. And then the next year came back and joined the uh, the Yankees again. Huh. Oh, he made it a whole season. Uh, Yeah, he played 100 games there. So good for him there. Uh, Let's see. Overall, I think uh, you probably would have gotten a couple of points off him. Uh, He Overall, his uh, lifetime war was 6.2. Not too bad. First round draft pick, 25th overall in 1980 by the Milwaukee Brewers. And uh, yeah, that looks uh, looks like about it. All right. So uh, down with uh, Deion James. Next, we've got, uh, I th- we've talked about him before. For some reason, I enjoyed this guy. Carlos Quintana. Oh, yeah. Who I thought was always shaped like a pineapple. Did, didn't we just have somebody on Wax Packs Heroes a couple of weeks ago that listed their favorite players growing up? One of them was Carlos Quintana. 
I think so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I seem to remember discussing that. But Quintana played five years in the big leagues, all of it with Boston. In 1991, uh, 149 games, 295 average, 375 on base. Wow, 11 home runs, 71 RBI, and a 114 OPS plus, and that's good for a 2.9 war. He has uh, got two and one on two and ones on, so that's not good for you. But he's also got eye black, so that's going to all cancel out for you. So you will get the uh, the full two point nine. That works. Oh, I think he had to have come up recently because here is a note that said he played in a game in Pawtucket and in Boston on the same day in nineteen eighty nine. Oh wow. Unless I'm just remembering something that I was reading by myself, I, I'm pretty sure we we talked about that at some point recently. Hmm. All right, you're down to two cards. You're at 16.3. You've got pitcher for the Twins, Roy Smith. Oh, Roy Smith, sure. Let's see here. We got the pitcher, the footballer, the cricketer, the footballer, the racing driver, the Australian politician. There it is. Yep, that's it. Uh, before going into politics... Uh, Roy, eight years in the big leagues, five with the Twins, two with Cleveland, and then finished up with Baltimore in 1991, his final season. He went five and four, 5.6 ERA, 80 innings pitched, 25 strikeouts, a 71 ERA plus, and that is a war of minus 0.8. He does have real stirrups on, though, so that will only be a minus 0.7. But I think that's your first minus this entire I believe so. thing, so... Bring you back, uh, bring you to your final card. But let's see here. Before we get there, looks like he's worked in the front office. Looks like he's one of Paul De Podesta's guys, uh, and he also worked as a scout. Yeah, so he's stuck around baseball. So good for him. All right, uh, your final card is none other than the Padres' Darren Jackson. Let's see, 12 years in the big leagues, four with the Padres, four with the White Sox, or I'm sorry, four with the Cubs, two with Milwaukee, two with the White Sox, and then a couple of other teams. In 1991 with the Padres, he played 122 games, 262 average, 315 on base, 21 home runs, which was a career high, 49 RBI, which was not a career high, and uh, five stolen bases, a 117 OPS plus, and that's a 4.4. Uh, looking at the card, can't tell. He's he's only got one f- leg in this picture, and he's got a, a guard over the uh, over his shins. So I cannot tell if those are real or not. So you're going to have to just deal with a four point four. All right, all right, Mark. So that gives you a score of twenty even, which is a very good score. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. So much, uh, right. but uh, let's uh, let's see what I've got. All right, so let me uh, open this. All right, clear out the scoreboard there, and uh, I am going to start with a guy who I remember got hit in the face and uh, missed a good amount of time because of that. I think he was bunting when he did it, but here he is with the Phillies. It's Dickie Thon. Yeah, Dickie Thon was. Uh... He, he really had a huge uh, upside, and he took took that pitch right to the face. And was was he bunting and fouled it in his face, or was he? Or did it just get him? I don't remember. Um, I, I know it broke the orbital bone, uh, the left eye, but I can't remember if he was bunting or not. 
Well, let's see. Dickey played for 15 years overall, seven with the Astros, three with Philadelphia, two with California, and then a couple of others for one. In 1991, with Philadelphia, his final year there, 146 games, 252 average, 283 on base, nine home runs, 44 RBI, 11 stolen bases, a 79 OPS, and that is still good for a .9 war. Uh, He does have a mustache on here, that's all I can see, but that'll at least get me up to a one right out of the gate. Wow, when uh, at the time of his injury, he was already being talked about as being the best shortstop in the league. Wow. Mike Torres, then uh, it looks like it was just a pitch from Mike Torres, a fastball. Broke his orbital bone around his left eye, ended his 84 season, and then he had depth perception that permanently hampered him throughout the rest of his career. That's terrible. Yeah, that's too bad. Because he had a he had a decent career. I mean, if he had never gotten hurt, it makes you wonder what he could have done. Yeah, well, Bill James said that uh, he believed Thawne might have had Hall of Fame potential if he had not been injured. Mm. Uh, so my second card is oh, he was a closer for the California Angels, Brian Harvey, father of Hunter Harvey, who looks like he's in the in the big leagues right now. Oh, nice. Yeah, so uh, good for that. Good for the, good for the Harvey family. I'm very proud of them. Uh, let's see, Brian, nine years in the big leagues. He was an all-star two times. Good news for me, one of those was in 1991. His career, six years with the Angels, three with the Fish. In 91, he went two and four with a 1.60 ERA, but 46 saves to lead the league. 78 and two-thirds innings pitched, 101 strikeouts for a 257 ERA+. plus. Came in fifth in the Cy Young voting this year. As I said, he was an all-star, and that will give me a war of 3.4. He was an all-star, so that'll be 3.9. He has got a mustache, so that will be a 4.0. I'll take it. Not bad. Okay, uh, sticking with the Angels. Oh, here we go. He's only got one hand. That's probably all I need to say for an Angels pitcher. You've narrowed it down. <laughs> Let's see. Jim Abbott. Of course, we've talked about Jim Abbott quite. I don't think you can talk. You can have a, you cannot have a baseball podcast and not talk about Jim Abbott multiple times. This is true. Let's see. Overall, 10 years in the big leagues, six with the Angels, two with the Yankees, two with the White Sox and one with Milwaukee. I really don't remember his time with the White Sox. Me neither. Uh, I, I vaguely remember the Brewers, but let's see. In 1991, it was his third year in the big leagues. With the Angels, he was 18-11 and 11 with a 2.89 ERA, 243 innings pitched, 158 strikeouts, a 142 ERA plus. Came in third in the Cy Young balloting this year. And uh, that is good for a war of 7.6. Wow. Uh, he does have real stirrups on as well, so that'll be a 7.7. I don't think they factor in how many hands you have to war, but... Uh, no, I don't think that's so. That's a huge Pardon? number, 7.6. Yeah, that's quite a number for a starting pitcher, very nice. Also, at one point in his career, again for the Angels in 1996, went 2-18. and 18. Wow. Of course, he was a member of Team USA. First round draft pick by the Angels in 1988, 8th overall. Oh, and Jeffrey, he appeared as himself on Boy Meets World. Get out. It's not, it doesn't say anything about it here. I found it right here. 
uh, in the episode Class Pre-Union. Huh. All right. Well, I am a fan of Boy Meets World, so I am going to have to go back and watch that and report. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for pointing that out. I did. It is nowhere here on my list. All right. Uh, let's see. I'm at 13.2. That one really helped. Next with Cleveland, pitcher Greg Swindell. Oh, yep. you can get some points here. Let's see. Uh, Greg Swindell, overall 17 years in the big league. Seven with Cleveland, four with Arizona, four with Houston, and then a couple of other teams. Uh, overall for his career, he was an all-star once, member of that 2001 World Series team. We've had a lot of guys that were on that d backs team in, this, in these yes. packs here. Uh, 1991, he went 9-16 and 16 with the 3.48 ERA, 238 innings pitch, 169 strikeouts. Uh, let's see, he did not walk a lot of people. 31 walks in 238 innings, led the league in walks per nine, as well as a strikeout to walk ratio, he led the league. Uh, that's a 120 ERA plus and overall a war of 3.8. Uh, nothing else on this card is going to help me out, though. I can't see his feet. I can only assume he's wearing stirrups, but that's uh, not good enough. Uh, drafted in the first round, second overall pick in the 1986 draft. All right, so uh, that takes me up to 17 even. I've got four cards left. And uh, I got to tell you, I'd be worried if I were you. Uh, you ended up at 20 even, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I've got some specialty cards here at the bottom of this, uh, uh -huh. this pack. First of all, uh, it's a score all-star. So it's a caricature, which means uh, I got real stirrups. Uh, this guy is a piece of work, though. It's Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens caricature. Yeah, some would say uh, he became a caricature later on in his career. Uh, we don't need to talk about him too much. Uh, he's the father of Cody Clemens, who's currently uh, playing the outfield for the Philadelphia Phillies. 24 years in the big leagues, 13 with Boston, six with the Yankees, three with Houston, two with Toronto. Uh, overall, seven Cy Youngs he won. Two pitching triple crowns, two World Series, 11-time All-Star, seven-time ERA title. And uh, I'm generally curious. I, I think the numbers here, once he gets into his late 30s, are probably steroid-related. If he wouldn't have used, what would his career have looked like? Right. Don't know. Yeah. 1991, good news for me, All-Star. Also won the Cy Young that year. <laughs> 18 and 10, 2.62 ERA, four shutouts, uh, 271 innings pitch, 241 strikeouts, a 165 ERA plus, and that will equal a war of 7.9. He was an all-star and won the Cy Young, so that'll be an 8.9. And he's got real stirrups because uh, it's a caricature. So that'll be a nine even from Roger Clemens to take me up to 26. I'm not going to lose with these final three cards. Uh, next, it is pitcher for the Chicago White Sox, Bobby Thigpen. Uh, you could catch him on a good year. Well, yeah, I mean, remember, he uh, 57 saves in 1990. Uh, unfortunately, we're looking at 1991. Which he, I mean, 90, he, he had a 1.83 ERA and 57 saves. He did have a four and six mark, though, as a closer. Which that's a lot of decisions for a closer. But yeah. in '91, he went seven and five, which is even two more decisions as a closer. But his ERA was 3.49. He had 30 saves in 69 innings. He struck out 47. So a definite, 
a little bit down there, uh, 115 ERA plus, and that will equal a war of 0.1. There's that closer, love. Uh, he, this is a caricature <laughs> again, so uh, he's got real stirrups on there, so that'll be a 0.2. Now, some might say if it's a caricature, how how are they real stirrups? Yeah, that's because I'm the commissioner. That's right. And, and what's funny is I totally agree. Wow. Uh, so get this. In 2003... Bobby was attending a Stanley Cup playoff game in uh, in Tampa, and he tripped and fell going down some stairs tr- and triggered massive internal bleeding. Whoa. A doctor uh, that treated him said he had about a gallon of blood in his abdomen. Oh. Oh, wow. He spent a week in the hospital and then uh, was released and recovered. But, wow. Something similar happened to me like that once. It is scary. Wow. Uh, yeah. All right, we got two cards left here. I'm at 26.2. I've got a 1990 highlight. It is Ramon Martinez, 18 strikeouts in one game for the Dodgers. Yes. Or as my friend Christopher used to call him, Raymond Martinez. Well, at, uh, if you're spelling it phonetically, that helps a lot. <laughs> Ramon Martinez, of course, the brother of Pedro, cousin of Denny Batista. We've covered that before. 14 years in the big leagues, 11 with the Dodgers and then Boston and Pittsburgh for just a short stint. 1990, he went 17 and three. I got a lot of these guys Ooh. that I get the year after they were all-stars. Because uh, in, in 90, he was an all-star and came in second in the Cy Young. Uh, in 91, though, 17 and 13, 3.27 ERA, 220 innings pitched, 150 strikeouts, a 110 ERA plus, and that is good for a 3.7 war, and he's got a mustache, so that'll be a 3.8. I thought your 20 was impressive. I'm up to 30 and have one more card left. It's ridiculous. Yeah, this is uh, some good packs here from uh, from score. All right, so let's get on to my final card is a Hall of Famer. Our first one of the day. Sheesh. And if that is, if my the score wasn't impressive enough already, uh, here is the 1990 highlight home run record. And I'm assuming it's for catchers. It is Pudge, the original Pudge, Carlton Fisk. Man, another good score for you. Well, I'm thinking this is, you know, the, the Hall of Fame will help, but this is the end of yeah. his career, Pudge. Uh, well, he was an all-star. His final year as an all-star with the White Sox here. He appeared in 134 games behind home plate as a 43-year-old catcher. Goodness gracious. I mean, it, it looks like he, he DH'd and played first a little bit, but that's a lot of games for a 30, uh, 43-year-old guy that's been squatting his whole career. Uh, 241 average, 299 on base, 18 home runs, 74 RBI. He had a stolen base. He had seven the year before, and in uh, 92 as a 44-year-old went three uh, bags, no caught stealing. Oh, he was moving. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see, a 97 uh, OPS plus, and that equals a war of 1.9. He was an all-star, so that'll be 2.4, and he's a Hall of Famer, so that'll be a 3.4 addition. Wow. Very nice. Wow. First-round draft pick by the Red Sox in 1967. Uh, let's see, he was the Rookie of the Year, 11-time All-Star, won a gold glove, and three times Silver Slugger. So Pudge or the Commander. It's kind of uh, curmudgeonly. Very much so. Uh, all right. So uh, that brings my score up to 33.4, which is a fantastic score. I'll take it all day. And, uh, yeah, that puts me up in the lead now. I am now up 7-6. to six. It's all downhill from here. Oh, man, we're going to have a team meeting now. 
I don't know. You could just phone it in and uh, tell me, uh, you know, let me have the the season win. Now, what would what would the huge huge droves of Westpac Hero fans? I think they're all oh, rooting for me, so I think uh, I'm I'm thinking they're they're down with that. So. <laughs> all right, well uh, that's going to do it for this week's Wax Packs Heroes. We're going to start to wrap up the show. Thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. 217 of these bad boys down. Uh, 7,642 more to go. We've already got them all planned out. So that's right. Wait till you hear episode 4,217. Oh, yeah. I am looking forward to that one. But uh, we've got a ways to go for that one. But uh, we really do appreciate it. If you want to share this this podcast in any form, whether that be rating, reviewing, telling friends about it, uh, anything like that, we really appreciate it. Again, if you just want to go into a public space, maybe hack into somebody's Bluetooth speaker and just start playing this, forcing everybody to listen to it, we're down. Uh, we're, we're okay with that. Uh, but uh, yeah, you can do all that. You can also find more of us uh, all over the internet. The links are in the show notes. We are at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise pretty much everywhere. We also have an email address that is eerily similar to what I just told you. But Mark likes to tell you about it. Yeah, what are the odds? It's uh, also, spell it out, TWO Strike Noise at gmail.com. So there you go. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. Uh, again, we're off next week, uh, taking a little bit of time off. Uh, there will be baseball involved on my end and and Mark's, too. I'm got uh, sure. So, uh, yeah, beyond all that, thank you. Everybody stay safe, and we will see you on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. <laughs>